Isaiah 37, verse 9. Now Sennacherib received a report that Tirhaka, the king of Cush, was marching out to fight against him. When he heard it, he sent messages to Hezekiah with this word. Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says, Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you've heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my predecessors deliver them? the gods of Gozan, Haran, Rezef, and the people of Eden who were in Tel Asar? Where is the king of Hamath or the king of Arpad? Where are the kings of Leir, Sepharvaim, Hena, and Eva? Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to all the words Sennacherib had sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste all these peoples and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wooden stone, fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are the only God. Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is the word the Lord has spoken against him. Virgin daughter Zion despises and mocks you. Daughter Jerusalem tosses her head as you flee. Who is it you have ridiculed and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride? Against the Holy One of Israel. By your messengers you have ridiculed the Lord. And you have said, with my many chariots, I have ascended the heights of the mountains, the utmost heights of Lebanon. I have cut down its tallest cedars, the choicest of its junipers. I have reached its remotest heights, the finest of its forests. I have dug wells in foreign lands and drunk the water there. With the soles of my feet, I have dried up all the streams of Egypt. Have you not heard? Long ago, I ordained it. In the days of old, I planned it, now I have brought it to pass, that you have turned fortified cities into piles of stone. Their people, drained of power, are dismayed and put to shame. They are like plants in the field, like tender green shoots, like grass sprouting on the roof, scorched before it grows up. But I know where you are, and when you come and go, and how you rage against me. Because you rage against me and because your insolence has reached my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth and I will make you return by the way you came. This will be the sign for you, Hezekiah. This year you will eat what grows by itself and the second year what springs from that. But in the third year sow and reap, plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Once more, a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. 
For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. Then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. One day, while he was worshipping in the temple of his god Nisroch, his sons Adramelech and Sharazer killed him with the sword, and they escaped to the land of Ararat. And Esau Haddon, his son, succeeded him as king. This is God's word. So it's Father's Day. It wasn't good Father's Day for Sennacherib a few years ago, murdered by uh, two of his sons. I uh, hope you've done better than that today if you're a dad and you're here, you probably have. Lots of uh, curious details here in this passage. But I guess in simple terms, if we understand this rightly tonight, we will pray. Let me lead us in prayer as we begin. Lord Almighty, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over the kingdoms of the earth. Father, you have no rivals, you have no competitors, you have none who are like you. All the other gods are made up and false and unreal, but you are the true and living God. And so it is to you that we pray, strengthen our trust in you this evening. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're here at the beginning then, uh, Ben asked this question. Uh, how do you finish this question? I'm, I'm safe because... What is... Whatever that noise was, for you. I'm safe because... How do you answer that? You turn to your neighbor, not now, uh, afterwards. I'm safe because... Really, that is the question that hangs over uh, these chapters in the book of Isaiah, chapters uh, 36 to 39. We uh, started looking at them last week, spent four weeks here. Who will you trust, or, or I guess whom will you trust? What will you trust? What makes you think you're safe? I'm safe because... That was the question back in 701 BC, after 35 chapters of warning in the book of Isaiah. Assyria has invaded the tiny country of Judah. We may have that map again. Uh, we looked at it last time. Massive Assyria. What is that? Green with a, what do we call that in the middle? Purple? I don't know. Yeah, great. You know I'm colorblind, so I'm always happy when I get one of those right. Um, uh, and then there's the uh, pink bit down the bottom. Brown. Yeah, yeah, I'm pulling you like there. Um, <laughs> 
It's a massive Assyria. You can see it is invaded, tiny, tiny Judah. And uh, Sennacherib is the king of Assyria. If you weren't here last week, he is the great king. He is the superpower leader of the day. Uh, Hezekiah is the king of tiny, tiny, tiny Judah. Who will you trust when you're invaded? Uh, so Assyria's come in. They've, they've wiped out almost all of Judah. Uh, 30, uh, 46 cities have been destroyed. Uh, and now Jerusalem was surrounded. This is one of those things, by the way, you watch that little video on, on doubts and what do you do with doubts. All, all this detail is in the British Museum on Assyrian stone tablets. You can read all of it. I mean, they have a slightly different take on why Assyria lost. Um, they don't say, oh, because the Lord. But the invasion, the details of that, and it's all there. Because the archaeology, it's all true. So after 35 chapters of warning, then Assyria has invaded this tiny country of Judah in 701 BC. Uh, if you were here last time, lots of taunting. So the Assyrians are mocking the Israelites. <laughs> you and your silly faith. You think your God is going to save you? No God can withstand us. We have wiped out the whole of the region. Resistance is futile. But if you were here last time, we got to um, uh, chapter 37 and uh, verse 8. And in one sense, the, the, the Lord caused a bit of a distraction. And so 37 verse 8, uh, uh, the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, he withdraws from Lashish. That's the sort of the closest city to Jerusalem that he's just conquered and uh, has gone and fought against another king. So uh, there's a bit of a hiatus but in true sort of Terminator fashion, you get this little boasting in uh, chapter 37, verses 9 uh, to the 30, uh, 9 to 13. Uh, King Sennacherib essentially says to Hezekiah, I'll be back. Okay, I'll be back. And um, actually, in my years of ministry, I've received some aggressive letters, but this is quite an aggressive letter. Chapter 37, verse 10. Here is the Assyrian king saying, verse 10, Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you've heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. Will you be delivered? No. Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my predecessors deliver them? No. Verse 13, where is the king of Hamath or the king of Arpad? Where are the kings of Leir, Sephraim, all these other places? In other words, Hezekiah, all those other monarchs that you knew, the ones you visited, the ones you had with their wives on their state visits in Jerusalem palace, they're all dead. They've all gone. Why do you think you'll survive? You can't resist. We thought last time that the, the sort of, if you're a Christian here tonight, or even if you're exploring the Christian faith, the culture will say, you're fools. You can't resist. Have you not observed the rise of mankind and the decline of religion? Brackets, that isn't actually true. It's just globally, religion is on the rise. But anyway, but the, the, the narrative, certainly in the West, you can't resist it. So last time in chapter 36, I guess the question is, what is, or who will you trust? Here in chapter 37, it's the same really, but a slight, slight difference is this. What does your trust look like because here for Hezekiah, trust looks like praying. 
Or in other words, you can have the right doctrine, you can believe all the right things, say all the right things, but when it comes down to it, how do I know you trust the Lord? Do you pray? It's not the only mark biblically, but here in Isaiah, that's the demonstration of trust that you pray. So we'll look at that uh, uh, this evening. Uh, we'll look at it by way of a contrast. So you get Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. He's the good example in the passage. Sennacherib trusted himself, bad example. Uh, the Lord had plans for them both. Uh, we'll look at briefly at the end, okay? So Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. We'll spend most of our time here. Uh, Sennacherib trusted himself. That's the bad thing. You don't want to do that. You see, you either pray and trust the Lord or you trust yourself. That's the contrast. Uh, the Lord had plans for them both, Okay? When you're tr- surrounded by trouble, like this situation, and, and you kind of do need to understand, you know, this is sort of uh, England 1940, uh, Battle of Britain, maybe we're about to get invaded. It's a stressful scenario. What would you do? Do you trust yourself? Sennacherib was a king who did that. Do you trust the Lord and pray to demonstrate it? That's Hezekiah. Let's work through it, though. First, then, um, uh, chapter uh, 37, then, verses 14 to 20, Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. That's what his trust looks like. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Verse 14, Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers, this letter saying, you know, you're about to be destroyed, and he read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord, and Hezekiah prayed. Now, in this moment of distress, what is Hezekiah's first move? He gets another this aggressive letter. What, well, he doesn't summon his military commanders, and he doesn't summon his political advisors, and he doesn't go to the treasurer and say, can we buy some mercenaries? He goes to God's temple and he prays. Do you notice that? Because Sennacherib does something quite similar at the end. He goes to the temple of the Lord and he prays. Quite something. Uh, that was that was his hope. That was his trust. That was his plan. I, I like this. Sort of, he, he gets this letter, this aggressive letter. He gets it and he he spreads it out in front of him and he prays. I was uh, reading through this. I don't know six or two two months ago, six weeks ago, something like that. Uh, sort of getting it in my head, and. Um, uh, that's when I first realized, oh, golly, we've got a massive shortfall in the budget as the numbers come through from the, from the treasurer. So I found myself putting them all on the floor, spreading them out, and um, praying. And I have to say, I found it enormously cathartic. Um, there's something sort of very tangible about that, isn't there? Lord, I can't. We can't. Yours, Lord. Help. Really, I think, helpfully physical about that. Let's look at what he prayed then. Or in fact, there are three little things I want to just mention on the way through of Hezekiah's prayer. Uh, who did he pray to? What did he say? And what's the Lord's response very quickly? Uh, first then, who does he think God is? Verse 16, he prays to the Lord. Lord Almighty, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth, You've made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Who does he pray to? Well, he addresses the Lord Almighty. It's fine as a translation. Literally, 
the Lord of Armies. It's actually what it is. Lord of Armies. Well, when you're surrounded, it's good, it's good to have uh, uh, the Lord of Armies, I reckon. In other words, powerful. And the source of his power really is, is you alone. Verse 16, you alone are God over all the kingdoms because you made everything. You alone. It struck me, um, that's, a, uh, that's a great little phrase, you alone. I'm just trying to think of it in other arenas. Can you say that of anything in sport? So Rafa Nadal is the king of clay because he's the best player there's ever been on clay. Uh, and he's won the French Open again on the clay. Uh, but um, he doesn't win every year. You can't say you alone are the French Open champion throughout all history. You can say, well, you've won it more than other people. But he sometimes loses. And his body is aging. Although I'd be happy with his aging body, if I'm honest. But um, <laughs> it is in, it's got to be in decline. It can't keep going forever. Not you alone. Or in the realm of politics, you may have a dictator. Or, or you may have a superpower. You could say the USA. They alone. America alone is the global superpower. Well, um, maybe. Um, uh, probably you'd say from 1989, 91 onwards, for a good block of time it, it, it was. Uh, now, probably you still just about would say it is, but you've got the rise of China, you've had some sort of failed uh, military expeditions uh, in Iraq, Afghanistan. And actually, superpowers, historically, they rise and they fall, they last maybe 100, 150 years, and then someone else's turn. You alone? This is completely different. Lord, you alone, in every year, decade, century of history in every place. You alone. You alone rule. That's good news. But alongside that, you also need to know that he's personal. So um, he prays to the Lord, verse 17. Lord, Lord, you know this if you've been a Christian a while. Lord, it's, it's not a title like uh, Lord Fauntleroy. Um, uh, it's a name, Yahweh. The name that God has revealed, it's personal. It's, it's Matt, it's Dave, it's Jill, it's, it's a personal name. And you really do want to have both. You want to know when you're praying that you pray to you alone. There's no one else who competes with this God. And he's personal. You really do want to have both. One without the other is sort of okay, but not great. So you could have been a, um, a teenager in Jerusalem in 701 BC, and your dad could say to you on Father's Day in 701 BC, son, we're surrounded by Assyrians, but I love you, and I will protect you when they invade, and I will keep you safe. And the kid could say, dad, that's really sweet of you to say that, but it's not true. You can't promise that, because you're not strong enough. Your love is wonderful, but your strength is not enough. Or on the other hand, you could be stood before the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, who says, I am the most powerful man in the world. You are stood before the most powerful man in the world. You think, well, that's good. And he says, I'm going to chop off your head. And you think, that's not good. Um, because power 
which isn't for you, well, that's no good either. You do want both. And wonderfully, the, 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 the living God is, is both. If you're a Christian, you know him as not just Yahweh, but as Father to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you alone, powerful and personal, that, that's what you want. That's who he is. That's whom Hezekiah prays to, whom we pray to. What's the guts of his prayer then? Verse 17. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Uh, listen to all the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule you, the living God. I really like verse 17. I don't know why. Because it's, just, it's both silly and wonderful. Do you see what he's saying? Verse 17. Hey, God, open your eyes. Hey, God, can you not hear? Well, that, I mean, that is, that's terrible doctrine because God sees everything and knows everything. I mean, it's terrible doctrine. But you see his wonderful faith because he's saying right now, help. Can you see, Lord? Can you see what's going on here? We need you now. It's a sort of, there's a sort of desperate clinging here. It's not that God is old and losing his sight or his hearing, obviously not. But he's, I just, come on, we need you. Uh, the guts of the prayer, really, you get in verse 20, I guess. Now, Lord, two things. Deliver us from his hand, Sennacherib. Help, save us. And the purpose of that ultimately, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are the only God, you alone. Save us so that all the, all the world can see you alone are God. Now, I, th I hope this is not sort of whimsy or fanciful, but you read this situation, and, and here is the king, Hezekiah, or, or the city of Jerusalem, surrounded by enemies, mocking, and you could easily turn in the New Testament to something like, perhaps acutely Matthew chapter 27. And there is Jesus at his trial. And we're told he's surrounded by those who oppose him. And Matthew extraordinarily four times emphasizes that Jesus was mocked by the soldiers guarding him, by those crucified either side of him, by the chief priests opposed to him, and then again, he says, by those who were crucified. Four times. M much sort of like this situation. But he rose again. And so presumably for you and I, if you're a Christian here, you, you read this and say, well, well, the guts of the prayer is, Lord, can you, can you see our city? Can you see my family? Can you see? I want them to know that Jesus alone is one who dies for sin. Jesus alone has conquered death and risen again. Jesus alone. There's no one like him. He alone. I want people to know that he alone is God. That's really what he prays here. And last little thing on the prayer, just look at God's response. It's fascinating. Verse 21, 
Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a messenger to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is the word the Lord has spoken against him. He's going down. Oh, we've had it read. Basically, Sennacherib is going down. Um, but verse 21, because you've prayed. Because you have prayed. Hezekiah the city will be delivered and saved. Your opponent will withdraw because you prayed. Hey, you, you do see the implication, don't you? Hezekiah, if you had not prayed, I wouldn't have done anything. Hezekiah, if you hadn't prayed, Jerusalem would have been destroyed. Hezekiah, if you hadn't prayed, the mockery against my name would have been unaddressed. But you've prayed, so now I will act. Because you have prayed. Of course, you've got to hold it together with verse 26. Uh, The Lord says, I've planned this, I've ordained this uh, long, long ago. Yeah, that's of course, it's true. The Lord has the whole of history planned, but he acts in response to the prayers of his people. So you you have to biblically hold both of those two together. The Lord has the whole of history planned. And because we pray, he acts. You have to hold those two together. For myself... I am more likely to lean towards, well, I know the Lord has the whole of history planned. Therefore, I I won't trouble to pray. But this doesn't allow us to do that. It says, because you've prayed, because you've prayed, God will act. Had you not prayed, he would not. And so for us, is it fanciful to think that one day we may stand before Jesus and hear from his lips, Because you prayed, that person became a Christian. Because you prayed, in the third decade of the 21st century, the 2020s, um, there was revival in London. Because you prayed, your church flourished with maturity. Because you prayed. What I certainly don't want to ever hear from the lips of Jesus is, uh, if only you'd prayed. Shame. But you can read in James 4, you do not have because you do not pray. Because you prayed, extraordinary things happened. So could I just encourage you as one little practical thing? Here's a demonstration of trust. One of my little prayers or common prayers is that as a church, on the first Wednesday of the month when we gather to pray, more would come and pray. I'm not sure we ever have more than 130 odd there. I mean, it's great, it's lovely. But it's not even a third of church. It's all those things, you know, holidays, etc., etc. But look, if a collectively as a church we say we trust the Lord, we trust Him, then we pray. 
I mean, why not at the end of the service, get out your phones and block out the first Wednesday of the month for the next year? It's a key sign that our trust is not just verbal, but we believe it. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. He prayed to the Lord. Let's have a contrast. Here's the bad guy. Boo, Sennacherib. Sennacherib, by contrast, he trusted himself. That's what he'd done. So verse 17, he's been ridiculing, uh, uh, ridiculing the Lord. Uh, we get that numerous times. Uh, verse 22, uh, um, no, uh, sorry, verse 23 rather, he's been ridiculing and blaspheming the Lord. Verse 24, he's ridiculed the Lord. So what's going to happen? Well, he will be mocked, verse 22. This virgin daughter Zion, this vulnerable Jerusalem, like a virgin daughter before a, ra- uh, as a rapacious man, this vulnerable woman, We'll mock you, Sennacherib. That's what's going to happen. Because, you know, you're so full of yourself. I mean, Em read it well, didn't she? Verse 24, here's Sennacherib speaking. He says, I have ascended the mountains, of, uh, the heights of the mountains. I have cut down the tallest of cedars. I have reached the remotest heights. I have dug wells in foreign lands and drunk the water there. Doesn't sound that impressive, actually, does it? Um, I've drunk the water in Greece, you know. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, with the soles of, verse 25, with the soles of my feet, I have dried up the streams of Egypt. Oh, come on, Sennacherib. That's the Exodus. The Lord is the one who dries up Egypt. You claim too much. You're an arrogant so-and-so. I have done it. Well, that's quite a modern claim, isn't it, in the 21st century? Look what I've done. Here's one that tickled me. Uh, quick quiz. Some, some in the room will know this. It's quite easy. Who says this? Who is who's speaking? Have we got it uh, on screen? Um, can you name it? Let's see. Uh, wait till we get to the end. Um, I. I am the power that lifts the world's head proudly skyward, surpassing limits and expectations. I am an extraordinary union of engineering and art with every detail carefully considered and beautifully crafted. I am the life force of collective aspirations and the aesthetic union of many cultures. I stimulate dreams. I stir emotions and awaken creativity. I am the magnet that attracts the wide-eyed tourist, the center for the world's finest shopping, home for the world's elite. I am the heart of the city and its people, more than a moment in time. I define moments for future generations. I am. I've only given you half of it. Maybe I should give you more. <laughs> Becca Rowden, do you not know? Okay. Yeah, it's Burj Khalifa. So the, the tower at the heart of Dubai. That's about half of what it goes on. I am this, I am that. And you think, you are a tower block. <laughs> I don't want to be rude, but, and you can't even speak. And Dubai went bankrupt when building you and had to take a massive handout from its neighbor Abu Dhabi, so you can't even afford the tower block you've built. But it's extraordinary, I mean, what an extraordinary boast. I oh, am, yeah, but it's... We might not be quite like that. I don't suppose anyone's CV reads quite like that. <laughs> if it does, good luck getting a job. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, 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 I. I guess for you and for me, how do you answer the question, I am safe because 
what I've achieved in life, because of what I've got in the bank, because of my parents, because of living in the UK, because of I am... I wonder why. Sennacherib says, I have achieved. I have achieved. Hezekiah prays. There's the difference. I have achieved. He trusts himself. Hezekiah has prayed. Briefly as we finish, the Lord has plans for them both. Uh, And this big chunk at the end, we're not going to go through it all. So um, uh, verse 26 to 38, the Lord had plans for them both. So Hezekiah, excuse me, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, says, I, 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 I've achieved this. Uh, And then the Lord says, by contrast, verse 26, "Um, have you not heard? Long ago I ordained it, in days of old I planned it, now I've brought it to pass that you've turned fortified cities into piles of stones. You can read earlier in Isaiah chapter 8, Isaiah tells Hezekiah's dad, Amos, by the way, the king of Assyria will invade, and uh, what's the phrase he used? Uh, He will sweep over Judah to the neck, but no further. And that's what's happened. He's conquered the whole of Judah, but not the capital city. That's 30-odd years earlier. Oh, the Lord knew. It's all been planned. God says, look, Sennacherib, the only reason you have any success is me. You say, I have planned this. No, no, no. I, the Lord, have planned this. I. And what's more, Sennacherib, verse 28, I know where you are. When you come and go, I know how you rage against me. Because you rage against me and because your insolence has reached my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth and I will make you return by the way you came. You think you're this sort of mighty power machine. You're this extraordinary warhouse. Warhouse? Warhorse. You're this mighty warhorse, Sennacherib. What's going to happen? I'm going to put a bridle on you and turn you into Dobbin, like a Dobbin old shire horse. And I will, you think you're powerful. I'll just lead you. Come along, old timer, and you'll just, you'll just become a pathetic, broken dobbin of a horse, a pantomime horse. I'll take you back by the way you've come. Verses 30 to 35, we won't look at them, but God says to Hezekiah, look, just so you know, this is what's going to happen, so you know that this is coming. It's certain it's going to take place. But the main point is, Look, Sennacherib can say what he wants about the Lord, but it's what the Lord says about him that matters. And in the 21st century, there'll be plenty who mock and rage against the Lord, but it's what the Lord says of them that matters. I was encouraged, encouraged, that's not quite right, entertained, amused uh, recently. I went to spoke something at um, uh, a university, and it was sort of a vintage bit of graffiti, was in the loose. Um, it was, uh, it, um, this has been around for, for century, I think, at least that. So the, the graffiti was, God is dead, Nietzsche, 1882. Underneath it, no, Nietzsche is dead, God, 1900. <laughs> and you think, oh, there we go, a little bit of philosophical graffiti. And I think, I'm sure that was in the loose when I was a student at a different institution. This is a sort of classic bit of graffiti. But of course, it is true What do you say about the Lord in the end? It's his verdict upon you that matters. 
And so verse 36, wow. The angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 soldiers in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. Wow. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He was led like the Lord, like a broken horse, to return by the way he came. He returned to Nineveh, his capital city, and never left. Oh, in verse 38, one day, he was worshipping in his temple, and his sons killed him. Oh, you made all these grand claims, didn't you, Sennacherib? You were only ever a mortal man, and you forgot it. So overall, in this passage, this section tonight, the contrast then is drawn in pretty bold strokes between Hezekiah, God's king in Israel, and Sennacherib. So Hezekiah honors the name of the Lord, prays for the Lord's name to be known, and Sennacherib mocks him. And Hezekiah goes to his temple and prays to the Lord, and Sennacherib goes to his temple and is murdered by his sons. They both go to their temples. Hezekiah had a God, a living God he could trust. Sennacherib had no one. Because if you trust yourself in the end, it's all you got. Whom do you trust? Trust in the Lord. Pray to him. Pray to him as Father who loves you through the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray to him as you alone, unrivaled, completely powerful. Pray to him as both. Pray that his name is honored. You and I have every reason for far greater confidence than Hezekiah ever had in God at that time. The Lord Jesus Christ was mocked by soldiers, chief priests, those crucified with him. But everyone went to bed, and on Sunday morning they awoke, not to dead soldiers, not to an angel who'd killed soldiers, but to an angel sat at the tomb of Jesus, which was empty. Well, he was mocked, Jesus, but he conquered death. So for you and I, when we have doubts, he's the one we turn to. He's the one we turn to to know that God know God to know that God loves us personally. He's the one we turn to and say, "You alone. You alone die for sins. You alone rise to conquer death. You alone. Trust him. I'm safe because." because I put my faith in Jesus. And no matter what happens, even now, I'll spend eternity with him. And there is no greater security than that. Whom do you trust? How do you know? Well, trust is seen in praying to this God, not trusting in your own resources. And you can trust him. Let's pray together.
Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, you alone are God. There is none like you. You have no rivals. You alone have created this world. You alone rule over this world and have done from every single second of its existence and will do until the day the Lord Jesus returns, wraps it up and remakes it. You alone. Father, how wonderful to know that you have no rivals and you're our God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We can call you Father. We can know that you love us. It is a wonder to us that we pray to you as the all-powerful one who is our God. And so, Father, we do want to pray that Jesus' name alone is revered, recognized, honored as king over this universe. Would we be those who demonstrate our faith, demonstrate our trust by not trusting our own resources, but by praying to you. We ask it. Work that in us, we pray in his name. Amen.